Alrighty. Welcome to Freaks and Creeks, a Dawson's Creek podcast, the show where four millennials who missed the vote 25 years ago take the dive for the first time. Join us as we experience the series with a fresh perspective and see if our adolescent experiences match up with Dawson and the gang. My name is Cody. I'm Stella. I'm Mallory. And I'm James. And this week we are talking about season two, episode eight, The Reluctant Hero. Sounded spooky. Ooh, yeah, I guess I'm just in the spooky season because I mean it is a terrifying episode. In some in some ways, isn't it? This is true. Yes. This week we uh, we don't have any Cape Side correspondence, huh, Stella? That's correct. And you know, for a moment, because we recently like we're editing season two, episode six, mm-hmm. and for, <laughs> in that we talk about how much we love Cape Side correspondence yeah. and. To not make me sad by not sending any. And then I realized, oh, we haven't uh, aired that yet. So people don't <laughs> yeah. know how much I really want Cape Sid correspondence. So it's yeah. okay. It's okay. I, I, you know. Not taking it personally? Yeah. Okay. Well, but this is a reminder for all you people out there. Email us at show at freaksandcreeks.com. And if you want to make Stella very happy, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And we might just read it on this very show right now. Maybe we'll even edit it in. Whoa. Whoa. Magic. Don't, don't, don't expect it. (laughs) Probably not going to happen. Well, so I guess we might as well just go ahead and get into the episode then. So like we mentioned, we're talking about episode eight, The Reluctant Hero, which I think is the worst episode title so far. (laughs) Um, this episode was released on November 25th, 1998, and the synopsis is, as a film festival prize fails to reunite Dawson and Joey, Andy sets out to help Pacey get his life on track. Oh no, a ghost came and possessed me. <laughs> uh, this episode was written by Darren Goldberg and Shelley Meals and directed by Joe Napolitano and... I don't know. I don't know what this episode has. I'm very excited to talk about it. Uh, it's got, it did get some genuine tears from me. I did actually cry yet again in this episode. But before we get started, we do have a very little disclaimer that we want to throw out. We're going to go ahead and try something new with this episode. Um, you know, we've been doing those act summaries for each episode where we kind of summarize each act and then we dive into the scenes in those acts. Then we take a break. Well, this time we're going to try just summarizing the whole episode up front and then discussing it as we normally do. And hopefully this is just going to allow us to kind of have those same conversations we're having, uh, but just a little bit more efficiently and a little bit Bit more fun so go ahead and let us know what you think but otherwise cody thank you james and before we get into it just a forewarning for anyone that hasn't actually watched yet uh we wanted to mention a content warning since this episode deals with the subject of sexual assault so please feel free to skip to ensure your own health safety and well-being if needed and that said Let's dive in. Our episode begins with Pacey confronting Dawson about his nice guy, do the right thing persona while watching Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Pacey believes our boy is becoming as outdated as Jimmy Stewart while saying he's self-aware enough to know that he is just a schlub before Dawson can even let this sink in. A very intoxicated, very blacked out Jen stumbles into Dawson's room. Will or won't she puke? We're left to our own imagination as they take care of her. 
The next day, Mitch is packing his belongings as he navigates the challenges of his divorce. He expresses his desire to maintain a friendship with Dawson, who is struggling to adjust to the changes. Before leaving for school, Dawson receives an exciting letter that hints at a new opportunity. At Capeside High, Dawson shares the exciting news with Joey. Their film has won a festival award worth $2,500. However, when Dawson proposes they collaborate on another film, Joey declines. It's just too much for them to work together so soon, which devastates our titular hero. A little later, Jack apologizes to Joey for their previous and the dance drama. And although she forgives him, she is grappling with her own emotional turmoil. Here, Jack expresses a desire to spend more time with her, Hubba hubba. <laughs> Meanwhile, Pacey faces harsh scrutiny from his piece of shit guidance counselor who highlights his academic shortcomings, hinting that Pacey may not have any kind of future whatsoever. Later in the cafeteria, Andy expresses her disdain for the failings of the American education system, all while denouncing Pacey's cavalier attitude toward his academic performance. Right then and there, she proclaims that she will attempt to get his academic life back on track. On the other side of the calf, Dawson informs Jen about their festival win as he writes his next screenplay. <laughs> Horny hunk and all-around weirdo Chris and his equally gross friend Todd invite Jen <laughs> to a party that night, leading to Dawson expressing his concern for her well-being. She invites him to join her and begs him to refrain from passing judgment. Elsewhere, Jack and Joey do some hilarious cafeteria-related bits, jabs, and zingers, <laughs> leading to Jack asking her out on a dat a not-so-intense version of a date. She accepts. As Jack shares his plans with Andy and Pacey, they offer to stay home with their very mentally unstable Mrs. McPhee, allowing Jack to enjoy his dad. Later that day, Dawson gives Joey her half of the prize money and expresses his belief in, uh, in her artistic merits. They find common ground on rebuilding their friendship. <laughs> but Dawson, of course... Uh, reveals his plan for his next film, uh, an extremely on-the-nose love story about a boy trying to win back the girl he lost. Huh. <laughs> uh, before leaving, Dawson and an arriving Jack lock eyes like beasts in the wild, ready to kill. <laughs> While helping Mitch move into his enormous apartment, which may or may not be the future kelp restaurant, Dawson expresses his yearning for a more cookie-cutter paternal connection, but is met with resistance from Mitch, who tries to explain the relationship dynamics in a less surface-level way. Dawson expresses his disdain at always having to respect other people's wishes to please others, but Mitch encourages him to take on a more empathetic perspective. <laughs> Frustrated and emotionally spent, Dawson later asks Jen to accompany her to the party and she agrees under the condition that he refrains from judgment and clarifies that it's not a date. Once there, Dawson, dad. a dad, <laughs> uh, once there, Dawson uncomfortably looks on as Jen dances with Chris and Todd getting her buzz and grind on. Dawson oh later <laughs> intervenes when he finds Chris and Todd attempting to undress a very intoxicated Jen. Dragged outside, Jen expresses that she was just trying to have fun, which leads to our heroes having a heart-to-heart, -heart, acknowledging their shared struggles of unhappiness and their unique bond. After puking directly into her hand, gross, Jen <laughs> asks to go anywhere but home. Later in Mitch's apartment, Daddy Leary encourages Dawson to embrace both his fatherly and friendship role, explaining that no one is perfect set in their singular identity. As Dawson tucks Jen into guest bed, they discuss his unfinished love story script with Jen suggesting that not every story needs a happy ending. 
Meanwhile, Mrs. McPhee welcomes Andy and Pacey into her home with the promise of some yemotamo sandwiches. Mm. But her behavior insistence on speaking of her dead son in the present tense raises concern <laughs> over her mental state. Pacey additionally questions how Andy can excel at everything, but she ignores him and insists on outlining the plan to help him improve academically. Sometime later, Andy receives a call that her mother is causing a scene at Molly's or Mollier's market. When they arrive, we learn that this isn't the first time Mrs. McPhee has caused a Molly market stir. <laughs> knowing no one knowing how to help her, Pacey steps in to save the day by pretending to shop with her, allowing her to calm down. Maybe we could retitle this episode, Mr. Pacey Goes to Molly's Market. <laughs> Back at home, Pacey and Andy tuck in Mrs. McPhee and share a smooch. Andy iterates that the actions show that he is capable of so much more than the slacker loser persona he self-identifies with this. To this, he suggests they go to her room to either study, play tonsil hockey, or both. Yowza! On the other side of town, Jack and Joey share a heartfelt conversation at the park where Jack talks about a near lightning strike experience that not so subtly expresses his feelings for Joey, insisting that their connection is deep and that he's not the villain Dawson makes him out to be. Later at her place, Jack gives her a little tender little smooch uh, where Jack again reiterates his affection for her. The episode closes with Joey entering Dawson's empty room, excited to chat, only to realize he is not there. She instead reflects on the changes and complexities in their relationships as she grips his jaws stuffed animal and exits through the window. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. Good job. That was a lot. I know. And I did that all in one breath. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Last night, I w when I was going to bed, I was having a funny thought, um, that maybe one day we can get like a script from one of the episodes and just like act it out. Like we each get to be one of the characters. <laughs> yes. and That'd be fun. Yeah. Well, that, uh, I wrote that fake script on our about section on yes. our website. And I always thought it would be fun to, for all of us to maybe collaborate on a, uh, like a, a fake fan script. Definitely. Maybe for like spooky season. Yeah. I don't know. Audience, let us know. Do you want to hear an actual paranormal episode of Dawson's Creek? Because we can write it. Ooh, a radio yeah. play, if you will. Mm. <laughs> that would be fun. Um, I, this episode, it was so terrible. I, mm. Yes. I, I, it's like so weird because I like hated it mm -hmm. uh, so much, but then also... Pacey was just incredible. Yeah. And there were like moments, there were multiple moments where I got real goosebumps. For sure. Um, so it was real conflicting. What moments were giving you goosies? Um, the moment when Andy says to Pacey, heroes are made, not born. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. I thought was like so sweet and like just felt great. And like the way he looks at her, like it was just like, Oh my gosh, like he feels, you can sense like how much love he feels from her and like how much support. Um, and then that moment in the market when Pacey oh. helps Miss McPhee. For sure. Whew, that, such a hero. Totally. For real. I mean, Is Pacey reluctant? The real? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that scene in Molly's market, that's what made me cry. I mean, that was just, it was so touching and heartwarming to see Pacey like step in in the moment and know... I don't think he necessarily knew how to help, but he just tried something. Yeah, it, but it like seemed so effortless from him. Totally. It was like he just like did it like so well and with ease. And it was yeah. just like, you're a real natural hero, and, Mr. Pacey. And she, he put her, Mrs. McPhee in the like hero's position by being like, oh, well, like mm. maybe you can help me. Like I'll do some grocery yeah. shopping. I'm going to buy a bunch of crap. And then what does she do? Because she's a mother, no matter what, she's like, you don't need this. Let me go make you a sandwich. Let me go. And then like, 
oh my God. It's just like snaps her out of it, allows her to like come back to reality. It just perfectly, it puts her in a position of helping somebody rather than needing help. And it makes it just, oh, it was just so touching. And of course the music underneath it, it was just a tear jerking moment. I, I And then Andy in oh. the background watching him oh, yeah, you know, do this for her. Was, yeah. She was like, <laughs> she yeah. couldn't, she was cracking, you know, like it was just yeah. apparent how underwater she is with all this, how both her and Jack are just like struggling to look after mom. And that's just, oh, it's like, I think everybody's, you know, nobody, nobody wants to see that for their parent. Right. Yeah. So it's like a, oh God, I just, I felt so for, so badly for Andy and then Pacey just being a total fucking like badass. So yeah. cool. If I had known that this were to ever take place, I would have not, talked so much shit totally. about Pacey at the beginning. I mean, he was a little shit back then, but I mean, this is really showing his growth and what a great character he is. Already just in like the beginnings of season two, we're seeing so much from him, which is so cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I apologize to every listener who's probably screaming at their phone or however <laughs> they listen to this podcast about how much shit talk we <laughs> It was funny. I actually, um, I know we try and stay away from like spoilers, but I did search um, specifically season two, episode eight, and a Reddit post came up about this episode. Ooh, and um, there wasn't like a lot of action. It was like from a few years ago, but it was a lot of people just saying kind of what we talked about last episode is just like, we're seeing so much growth in Pacey. Yeah. We're seeing such a like, like change, you know, it, versus the other characters. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, on that note versus the other characters, I thought that aside from Pacey, because of course, like, his acting for as Pacey, he's, I mean, he's just such a great actor. So like mm-hmm. that is like the perfect role for him. But I thought that, um, that Joey's acting in this episode specifically with Dawson yeah. was also like on par as far as like her having some character development and realizing that like that things are different now between Dawson and I. Definitely. So I thought like, yeah, those moments were different. I noticed mm-hmm. like a difference in the dialogue between mm-hmm. them there's a big and shift yeah, in Joey's shift. character that I, I think is was throughout the whole episode. But for me, it's like it hits most when she sneaks into Dawson's room at the end of the episode and she's like, I don't really know what she's there to do, like why she's trying to talk to Dawson maybe in that moment. But then she looks down and she sees the Jaws toy and she kind of like smiles and then she leaves. For me, yeah. that's like a big moment. It's kind of like she maybe she's thinking about when her and Dawson were playing yeah. Jaws mm-hmm. in in her his closet when in that moment when she really needed support and like she's thinking how far she's come from that time yeah. or maybe she's like looking at that and being like oh Dawson's such a kid he's got fucking Jaws toys <laughs> also yeah so like there's that I agree with that with her um, in that scene but also like they only had in the entire episode they only had two interactions right we usually see like a, like many mm-hmm. interactions between them they only had two. And both of them were like right off the bat, that first scene with Joey and Dawson, she was like, she was almost being nice to him, which you never really see because they're always like, you know, sparring back and forth or whatever. And she was like, oh, like, I'm so happy for you for, you know, winning. And, and she kind of nicely lets him down. Normally she might be like more like, you know, what are you talking about? No, I don't, I'm not going to like 
film with you or, you know, so I thought that was interesting. I feel like if this were to take place in season one, this would have been the entire arc of the episode of yeah. her not like, oh, I don't know if I can tell Dawson right. if I want to do this project or not, but it shows so much more emotional growth on her part for her to be able to say this like, I'm not ready to do this project with you and I'm sorry, but that's just the truth. And then also, I hate to say it, but also growth from Dawson for being able to give her the money without an yeah. ulterior yeah. motive and say, I believe true. in your artistic merits and I think this is something that you should uh, aspire to be and get underneath my shadow. This is my dream. This is your dream. It's fine for us to split up. But then he backtracks, you know, once at four, two steps back with the, uh, I'm writing a movie about us getting well, together. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing about Dawson in this episode too is like, I'm so tired of everyone putting him on a pedestal because it mm -hmm. happens throughout the episode still. And it's like, you get those moments from him where you think he's growing, he gives her the money, but then like there's yeah. a, there's, can, like continuously throughout the episode, well, people like, are putting him on it. Like uh, Pacey in the first in the first scene. Yeah, you're uh, rescuing these, dogs, helping yeah. old women across yeah, the street. You're a dying, dying breed. breed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but I think along with that, here I hear you out because at, on the surface, it really doesn't feel like anything changes with Dawson in this episode because he's still like the great guy. He saves Jen in the end, and like everything is great. But also at the same time, like the the little subtext that we get is that he is extremely judgmental of Jen, yeah. regardless mm -hmm. of what does happen to her in this episode, which is objectively fucking awful. He is still very judgmental of her lifestyle. And she does, you know, flat out say even this, if, if she believes this to be true or not, she does think that she is having fun. Like yeah. she doesn't oh, yeah. care. She's like, yeah. yeah, I'm blacked out. I'll fuck whoever I fuck. I don't give a shit. This is just like who I am. And you need to accept that. And but I, she tells me special. Yeah, she does. She does say he's special, yeah. but then he also. I think that if he hadn't had that conversation with Mitch earlier in this episode, where he does say that, like, he you, he's like, kid, you need to change your perspective yeah. on your relationship with other people because if you constantly feel as though that you have to let other people go before you and think that there's like some consequence to that, then you're always going to be let down. Instead, empathize a little bit and understand where people are coming from when they do ask this of you. And right. I think if that conversation conversation hadn't taken place, the scene with Jen with her puking in her hands gross um, <laughs> would have been a lot different. He would have been yeah. like, I'm right. I'm the goody two shoes. You're wrong. Oh, totally. But, yeah. but instead... Instead of him freaking out, instead of him losing his mind like we usually see mm -hmm. him where he does the yeah. like heavy breathing shit, yeah. instead he says, let me take you home. Yeah. I'm sorry that this is a bad night. So like, 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 yes, is he still like a goody two-shoes? Yes, but I think there is also something to say about the Jimmy Stewart character mm -hmm. that he's idolizing while at the same time viewing his life through the movie lens and that he has to be the good person that is always going to put other people's down and make them feel bad about themselves instead of being a dick like he had been to Jen throughout the entire episode about her alcoholism and about her partying yeah. thing. Instead, he just takes care of her and like hears her out and goes a, mm -hmm. way, like way further than he would normally have to help her. And instead of being a dick is just allowing it to happen. Yeah. I'm curious. I, yeah, I agree. I think it's a good point. Um, I'm curious what y'all think about Joey making excuses for Dawson punching Jack because he's a movie boy. Like mm. that's it's another weird. moment where I thought like you're putting him on a pedestal, like you're making excuses just because he, this is how he is like, and that's, you know, it's, he punched you because, you know, he thinks he's in a movie. This episode, I mean, like, I think, like, some people really hate this episode. And yeah. I don't think this is a good episode, but I think that the intentions behind the beats are good. Right. But something that's, like, so confusing to me and where I'm like, okay, the writing really sucks here is that we do talk about Joey being, like more emotionally intelligent with how she lets Dawson down. But then throughout the episode, she acts more like, like 
I don't I want to I don't want to call it like infantilization, but she kind of acts like a 12-year-old. Yeah. Like yeah, when she's like talking with, to with uh, Jack. Yeah, yeah, when she's talking with Jack and she's like, "You like lightning? That's so weird." <laughs> yeah. And and then uh, maybe for her it's also two, you know, two, uh one step forward, two steps back because she can say like, "You know, Dawson, I think we should be friends." And then he says, "I agree, let's be friends." But then who in their right mind would then take that as to be like, everything's great. Everything's back to normal. Yeah. Like yeah. we were wondering what is she attempting to say when she crawls through that window at the end? And she sounds mm-hmm. like, oh, gee, golly whiz, Dawson. I can't wait to yeah. tell you that Jack yeah. kissed me tonight. Like what right. is she going to say? Exactly. Yeah. It's a good point. But I mean, then yeah, like her, like holding onto that doll, is she reflecting on their old childhood? Is this the transition for her into adulthood that, that she needed? Is this the push? Yeah. I don't know. Well, also we, in that, um, conversation with Jack and Joey, we see her bring up Dawson with like the, them conducting that experiment when they're kids. Um, so I kind of wonder like, yeah, if that was like a reminder to her, like, Oh, our friendship is like really important and sweet and special to me. But yeah, it's like, why did she, yeah. Why did she go to Dawson's room to like tell him that like my friendship's important, like, or our friendship's important. But, um, I did think that kind of connected with the shark, like kind of reminding her mm. of like their childhood. But yeah, the whole thing was a little bit weird to me. It, I, I agree there's some confusing beats, but I really liked what you said, Cody, that like that moment, that conversation that he had with Mr. Manmeat where he's like, you got to shift your perspective because it's not helping you is is what unlocked that last beat with him and Jen because I think we would have got the same thing we got in the last episode where he's screaming at a little girl and telling her, you you got to watch yes. what you ask for basically because you'll get what you get, you know, because that's basically what he could have done here. You're, a, you're in a drunk, a night of drunken oblivion got you this, you deserve it, is how I could have seen Dawson handling that situation. But instead he is like, you clearly need help. I'm actually going to give you help now. I'm going to do what is was what is right and I'm not going to like tout it over you like I've done for however countless many other interactions that we've seen. So I really like that. That actually feels like there is growth coming from Dawson. My only request is that we had seen that coming a little bit further. It's a little bit annoying to me frankly that like Dawson is given that piece of feedback and immediately he's like, okay, well, I'm going to go do the right thing. I've internalized this. I know how to fix my situation. And I mean, he doesn't necessarily do that across the board. He still had this weird shit with Joey going on, but like, and he has like a weird moment with Jack where it's like, okay, you don't need to have your chest puffing moment. Like if you're actually good with this, you're actually good with this. Go on ahead and move on. But it's nice to see growth. It's just annoying that it happened the same episode that it gets brought to him. Everybody else has to have a kind of grapple. He doesn't. Yeah, I wonder, like, are we being more critical of Dawson's Creek as a whole, or is this more of, like, TV in 1988? Because it's, Mm, like, like, TV back then, if it's episodic, even in this format where, like, stories do continue, but, like, you have to, like, learn a lesson by the end of the episode because it is a small movie and people are not going to catch the Mm -hmm. episode next week and they just, like, have to follow whatever you're putting out to them. But it's, like... Again, yeah, like learning his lesson immediately seems very wonky. And I'm sure I haven't watched the next episode yet, but I'm sure in that one, this isn't going to be brought up. He'll have another thing to be annoying about and have to learn a new lesson. Um, But even that, it's a good lesson to learn and I'm I'm happy it's there. And I think that like also without that conversation, without that conversation with Mitch, when Jen is telling him he's special, which is obviously so fucking annoying. Yes, we get (laughs) it. He's the perfect boy. Um, 
but then he calls her special. And I don't, and I don't, I don't think that without that conversation with Mitch that he would ever say yeah. that you're special because in his mind before that conversation, yeah. I think he's, his thought is, well, you're not me. You're not Jimmy Stewart. You're not always doing the right things. So you're mm-hmm. not special. But mm-hmm. because of this immediate growth, <laughs> him saying, no, Jen, like you are a special person, even though you like have these trials and tribulations that are with or without your control, that's growth. That's really mm-hmm. cool that he can recognize that and say that. Uh, just wish it wasn't <laughs> yeah. these circumstances. Also, I um, I feel like we're seeing more... I don't know. I'm trying to remember, actually, if Jen is like consistently calling Dawson out, but I feel like, at least in the last few episodes, we're mm-hmm. seeing it more like in the moment. And I really liked it when... We see Dawson like silently judging her about going to this party. Totally. Yeah. And she's like, she invites him and she's like, like, no, like you cannot go, but don't like judge yeah. me for it. Mm-hmm. And I and thought then that he was gaslights her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that was but, like yeah. a good um uh piece of kind of like his growth, you yeah. know, like yeah. But yeah, on that on that subject of gaslighting. That's like for anybody who's confused about what gaslighting is, just go and watch that little interaction between Dawson <laughs> yeah. and Jen when Jen invites her him to a party and she and he says, "Hmm, a night of writing my yeah. script that I just won an award for my last one, basically." I know he didn't say those verbatim, <laughs> or a night of useless drunk oblivion. Yeah. I wonder which it's a hard choice. And she says, "Don't judge me." And he's like, "I didn't say a word." Like, yeah, it's like, "Dude, mm, yes you yeah. fucking yeah. did." Yeah. You fucking did. You literally just did. <laughs> You just judged her and yeah. said that she is going to go have a night of useless drunk oblivion. Yeah. And that has with it certain sets of connotations and certain sets of judgments. And, and you know what I mean? Like, dude, fuck off. Yeah. I hate the word that kind useless. Of shit. I mean, you literally, you just, yeah, yeah like, don't drunk say oblivion. that you didn't say anything. You it's not just like called you're like her drunken useless. debauchery <laughs> or a night of reveling. Those yeah. are, those are, you know, if you said that and then she flew off the handle, okay, yeah. maybe we can talk about she's being a little bit defensive, but like, you didn't, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so it's it's interesting because I think he does have these big moments of growth, but alongside it, he has these big moments of, you know, strife. You know, he's not perfect like anybody, unlike Pacey, who is perfect. Am I right, guys? Yeah. So dreamy. So dreamy. <laughs> but that moment between him and his guidance counselor oh, yeah, was yeah. hard to Wowie. watch, dude. Like, First of all, I know it's TV, but like, what are you doing, guidance counselor? Get the fuck out of this job. Yeah. yeah. You should not be dealing with kids. Yeah, I can't tell if it's just supposed to be like a cartoonishly evil character or if we're maybe seeing this from Pacey's right. perspective. Because I mean, like, unreliable narrator. I know the show isn't like that heady, but Pacey sure. does believe he's a loser. Totally. So like, if he, it, maybe the guidance counselor is like, wow, your 1.7 GPA is like not looking great on your report card. I don't know what this says about your future. If he's internalizing that as, wow, <laughs> you're fucking going to add up to nothing, kid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But either way, it sucks. Like it sucks that he has to experience this and that they're, the school isn't even really like figuring out an outlet for him. Instead, they're just penalizing him for being, I don't know, not a part of the traditional academic system and not going along with that. This whole this episode for me is saved by the development that Pacey gets. The, the we get a glimpse into Pacey's life a little bit more because we, I think we've all been like, "What is his deal?" You know, we've been very vocally mm-hmm. like, "What does is he, this guy's deal?" Does he have parents? <laughs> does he have parents? Does he have anybody who cares for him? And I think this episode kind of confirms that like he just 
Everybody tells, nobody gives a fuck about Pacey. Nobody. The guidance counselor, his family, the town, everybody thinks he's a fuck up. So therefore, just like Pacey or just like Andy says, like if you think of yourself as a joke, you're, you are a joke. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. thinks of himself as a slacker. So he is a slacker. And he has that beautiful moment that he, where he's talking with Andy and he's like, I just don't know how to yeah. fix this. Yeah. That was so relatable. Mm-hmm. Like I've been there so many times, you know, mm-hmm. it was just like, Man, Pacey, the writing for him in this episode was amazing. Yeah. 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 Um, I still have a funny thing that like, so the the scene where um, Pacey shows up to Andy's house and we mm. like see, see Andy's mom in the garden from, I was like, I had no idea who that was. <laughs> Me too. And I was, I was like, yeah. who was is like, this? Did they, did they recast grandma? They got a gardener? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I'm like having these like racing thoughts. I'm like trying to guess like, who is this? Yeah. And then I immediately was like, okay, like, is this Pacey's mom? And then uh, <laughs> I was just like laughing. And then when I rewatched it and like had that thought in my mind and her, her line is, um, Pacey, nice to see you again. <laughs> made me laugh. Thinking that, <laughs> thinking that that was his mom. Oh, like, Pacey. Oh, nice right. to see you again. Yeah, I I had a similar moment with Mrs. McPhee where I where we saw her in the garden and she's wearing like a hat or something and I'm like, oh, okay, that's I didn't really remember what she looked like, but I guess that's what she looked like. And then later when we see her at Molly's Market, I'm like, who the fuck is this lady? <laughs> yeah, because she looks completely different <laughs> in that scene yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, I was just like, uh, oh, okay. She kind of looks like Kate McKinnon if Kate McKinnon oh, yeah. had like a, pro- a prosthetic nose on. Mm-hmm. I feel it. Yeah. She could play. Let's she recast play her. <laughs> in, a, in the remake that we are working on oh behind the scenes. Cause we're, we're scabs. <laughs> or maybe she could play weird Barbie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh man. That, so that, that scene in the cafeteria with Andy, um, coming to Pacey's kind of like being Pacey's hero yeah. in this a little bit. Um, I, I thought it was interesting that, uh, she's always, saying that she's in control. I don't mm-hmm. know if anyone's noticed this, but last episode she's uh, said the same kind of similar thing about like keeping the, uh, the like study sesh in yeah. control. Yes. I'm in control. Totally. And in this scene, she says to Jack about like, you know, watching their mom while he goes on the date or the dat. Um, Andy <laughs> says, quote, everything's under control. I've got it all under control. Yes. And I think this explains a lot about Andy as a character yeah. because she is kind of a perfectionist and, at home, she can't, she doesn't have control. She doesn't have control of her mom. She, mm-hmm. you know, that probably feels very like chaotic for her. So she tries to control everything else around her, including Pacey as her project, yeah. kind of. Yes. So I thought that was and like what an does interesting, that, yeah. Like that, for me, that gives me a little bit of like fear for their relationship. Totally. Yes. 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 Like know? she's saving him. Exactly. Kind of, if yeah. she's just viewing him as a project, as, as something that she can like use to demonstrate her own control over the world because she was able to control Pacey's situation from fuck up to not a fuck up maybe, yeah. then she's probably just going to move on from him when he's no longer a fuck up or she's going to get really frustrated when he can't move beyond his circumstances when he has a, you know, a step back or something like that. I'm a little bit scared. Yeah. I also like, I feel like I've, I have a lot of thoughts about this, but one we see, I feel like some foreshadowing where Pacey goes like, I'm worried about you. Yeah. yeah. Because I think we're seeing Andy. Yeah. Just trying to control all the things that she cannot control around her. Mm. Um, and 
I feel like internally there's a lot going on and we're going to see some of that. And like her way of coping. Yes. Yes. And And she's not able to like actually, um, like confront these things. Cause when Pacey asks mm -hmm. her, she's just like, yeah, I'm tired. Well, and even like Jack's like, Andy, let's be honest with each other. Like mom is not doing okay. You know? And she's just kind of like, yeah, she is. What do you mean? She's Mm -hmm. got her good days and her bad days. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, but we can acknowledge the reality of the situation. Right. Like, it's like, you're my sister. Come on. Like we know at home, like I, yeah. What's going on? But yeah. Does anyone remember? Uh, I didn't write the line, the exact line down, but what does Pacey say to her? It's like, when do you have time for all this? Is that oh, the yeah, like that? In her, when they're and, in her room and, and he sees all the, the trophies. Yeah. 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 And she just ignores him just like to move on to keep going with the project. But we're, we're going to have to like eventually see a burnt out Andy episode. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. This can't, this isn't sustainable. Yeah. I think I, one of the things I did like about this episode is that we see a lot of different types of heroes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so it's like, yeah, I think Andy on the on the surface seems like this hero. Yeah. She's like always trying to save the people around her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, it's just like In a coping. End, Pacey's me- her, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pacey me- is like, I think the real hero of this episode, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like they're kind of each other's hero, interestingly. Yeah. Y'all, the, title, the title's good. The reluctant hero, because they're all the reluctant hero, right? <laughs> yeah. Pacey's a loser who never wants to do anything, and he's just like, I'm a schlub, whatever, but then he saves the day. He was, you know, it's reluctant for him to, like, become the hero that he needs to be, right? Andy is, um, you know, trying to help him, even though she has, like, all this other shit going on, and, like, her world is falling apart, but she's still trying to fix him, and then you have Dawson, who is, like, who would rather just scream at Jen instead of actually <laughs> trying to help her. He's a reluctant hero. They're all reluctant heroes. Yes. Yeah, I think they're, yeah. yeah, they're all heroes in different ways, but I think that I think ultimately Pacey is the real, like he is the one that does the most heroic, even arguably like Dawson does like save Jen from like a very scary situation. Yeah. (laughs) I think even Mitch is feels like a, like a YouTube video where it'd be like top five years. (laughs) 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 Well, it's gotta be Pacey because he (laughs) saved Mrs. McPhee in the Malier's market. (laughs) Who's a total mill. (laughs) (laughs) We can't can't leave Mitch out because he reluctantly has to dad when, he really just wants to be friend. Yeah. Daddy wants <laughs> he has to, be to be friend. Daddy hero. Boy. Daddy hero or friend hero. Yeah. yeah. Daddy friend. Glad that Mitch got brought up because I think that he is the ultimate number one hero in my book uh, for <laughs> at least like setting the theme. He's not the actual number one hero. Yeah. But something that I find really fascinating about his character. I mean, there's so much going on about him wanting to be the father and yeah and the friend and that sets up the theme of like complex identity which we see throughout this episode with every single fucking character uh they can be one thing and the other jen mm-hmm. can be like a blackout drunk who's miserable but also like be a special person who's like very mm-hmm. cognizant of her relationships with dawson and other people um you have pacey who is the schlub who's also saving the day blah 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 we see this back and forth back and forth back and forth and i think it's so cool too that i feel like there's something about Mitch living in the kelp, the space that he bought for the kelp. Mm. And if we are led to believe that his aspirations for creating this aqua themed restaurant is what led partially to this separation, the fact that he's living within the literal physical embodiment Mm. of this is very fascinating that he is like living with his, I don't want to call it a sin, but he's living in his sin. This is Mm -hmm. the prison that he's built for himself, which I think is really cool. And prison prison like the cage yeah in mitch's apartment oh i didn't want to derail you oh yes 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 yes, 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 exactly yeah he has that um 
Yeah, what do you think that is set up? Like, I don't you know, know but why is Jen sleeping, sleeping inside in a of a cage? cage? <laughs> Daddy likes to cage little girls, okay? <laughs> yeah, no, but I think that that, that I didn't realize, I mean, I did realize, but I didn't put it together that he did choose to move out of his family home with his wife and kid to go live mm-hmm. in the kelp project instead. He made that choice, yeah. right? Yeah. Like they had did a separation. He was staying in a motel and yeah, it's, it's okay. You need more time, but to choose to move into that, this project of his is kind of like, uh, for every one of those stories that you hear about of a family falling apart because one person, one parent got way too in deep with something and just could not come up for air. Is that what we're supposed to be seeing from Mitch? I think it kind of is without really showing us that. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it doesn't feel very judgmental for Mitch for doing that. It's almost like uh, like an unfortunate reality that like sometimes for you to pursue your dreams, you do have to let certain things go. And there, yeah. it, it's not a perfect world where you can have your cake and eat it too. Uh, it's basically La La Land, but as an episode yeah. of Dawson's Creek. And another cool thing is that I feel like for the first half of the episode, he's wearing a gray, very sexy t-shirt, but it is gray. And he is talking about something that is kind of morally complex for Dawson to yeah. comprehend these things that it's not, he's not a white hat or a black hat. He's gray. It's this, there mm-hmm. is no solid That's, identity yeah. with him. But in the final scene where Dawson finally accepts this realization and he does accept his father for being these two things, uh, Mitch is wearing a black shirt. Yeah. So in a way, similar to Jen, how Dawson had accepted Jen for who she is instead of, uh, rejecting her identity and who she is in that moment, what's been going on with her, he too is accepting his father, even though he's not what he wants, like what his father should be. His father is wearing dark, the sin, the black in the kelp. And instead of rejecting him, he is saying, I accept you. You can be a father. You can be a friend. You can be all these amorphous things that don't have like a singular identity. Yeah. That's that's an incredible read too because Dawson really struggles with not accepting people for what they are but yeah. only accepting them for what he wants them to be and failing to recognize that people can be more than one thing. So yet again, actually this episode is really showcasing a lot of growth from Dawson as much as I really hate to say mm-hmm. that. And as much as I like hated watching this episode going into it and thinking this was going to suck, you're actually really turning me around onto this episode having some value. I think, I mean, I think this episode does have a lot of value, but Jesus Christ, it is a very weirdly put together episode. I mean, mm-hmm. like the writing was odd. It's a lot of I the mean, writing. I was, think these, these writing yeah. partners, uh, I think it's their first episode writing together and it might be their first episode of the season. So maybe they're new to the room, but a lot of stuff felt very off for mm-hmm. at least like what we're used to so far. Sometimes I liked it. Sometimes I hated it. One thing that I liked is when Andy gave her speech and all everyone turned around and watched and clapped. Yeah. Like that's kind of <laughs> like, it reminded me of Gilmore girls. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> not that I want this show to be Gilmore girls. Everything should be different, but I fucking love Gilmore girls. Yeah. And it's like, it felt cute and like fun and like mm-hmm. kind of cartoonish for this universe. And also like the opening scene with uh, Pacey talking to Dawson, it was very Pacey dialogue, but at the same time it felt like a little yeah. more stylized than what we're used to. Yep. Um, so like those things are fun and cute, but then like there's like six scenes back to back in the cafeteria and it goes even like beyond a commercial break. So that yeah. you're yeah. not really sure. Like, is this all taking place at the exact right. same time? Can't they just like, hear each other? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's going on? We were just I, like watching the episode this morning and re- James spotted Dawson and Jen in the background when we're watching yeah. um, Jack and Andy. Cause before I had the same thought, I was like, is this all are they all together lunch at the same time or is this different? Cause it was spread out through so many acts yeah. or so many scenes. I mean, yeah, yeah it's it was really, confusing. really weird, but I, I agree. These, these 
writers did bring something fresh and kind of fun. And that moment that you alluded to, the the comedic relief moment where everybody turns to watch, that felt like something that this show really needs because it kind of showed them like not taking themselves too seriously, which yeah, this yeah. show is taking itself so seriously so much of the time, you know? Yeah. Like it's trying to be so, it feels now watching it. I don't yeah. know if it didn't then, but it feels like it's trying to impart these moralistic messages at every turn. And that Especially allowed this me, episode, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That gave me the kind of ability to like, acknowledge the moralistic message, but also get some funny moments yeah. of, of like relief that you don't get in the other comedic relief moments in other episodes where it's just like, you're laughing at the witty banter that kids don't have. They don't talk like this. <laughs> All right. So we are going to go ahead and take our very first break. We'll be back with more discussion on season two, episode eight after this. Jack, Joey, Lightning. Uh, he tells this really cute story about almost getting hit by lightning. And what does he say? He says, <laughs> lightning's amazing. It's opposite charges attract until the force just gets so great that the air just kind of breaks down. It's like nature's version of performance art. He's clearly talking about him and Joey. Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. Like there are the opposites that are attracting. Nothing can keep him apart. Uh, what the fuck does the version of nature's performance art mean? Like. I- they're just breaking down, man. They're throwing down. The lightning is yeah. dancing from the sky to the earth, just like, like a me. light show. Yeah. It's interesting though. That nature plays a very like a heavy role right now in their relationship yes. with, Oh, the moon, the moon and now lightning. Yes. Interesting. What does that mean? Mm. I mean They're natural saying, together. Yeah. Like mm. this is like an organic <laughs> relationship yeah. and nothing can keep them apart. Yeah. What I thought was funny is he's describing opposites attracting and, mm-hmm their kind of whole relationship is built on how they're very similar. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's like true, the yeah. whole art stuff, like they work at the same, you know, it's like they're all, they have very similar tastes. So maybe that wasn't the inroad that you thought it was Jack, but I can't blame him because at first he keeps talking about this full moon. Right. Right. And I think I mentioned yeah. it that he was a werewolf last episode. If I didn't, <laughs> I was really convinced that he is definitely a werewolf when he says like, don't worry. There's no full moon yeah. for weeks, so you're <laughs> safe. And at first I was like, oh, it's because he's not going to kiss her. Then I thought, oh, it's because he's not going to transform into a wolf and kill her. Yes. Mm. But I have a new idea. Because oh he's mm. so fascinated with lightning, he loves lightning. He can't get enough of it. He thinks it's really cool. I think Jack is a Frankenstein. Oh, my God. Oh, he has been wow. struck by lightning. That Ooh, story that he told yes. about almost getting struck by lightning and how he could smell it, it's because he got struck by lightning. It brought him to life. He could smell for the first time ever, and it smelled like life. And now <laughs> he is obsessed with lightning It's because it's the only thing. It's like his daddy. He doesn't have a real daddy. He's got <laughs> lightning daddy. Is he actually Tim? Brought oh, to my life? Oh, my gosh. gosh. Whoa, and that's whoa, why, whoa, whoa. Holy that's why fuck. Mrs. McPhee keeps saying Tim's around. Yes. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> my god! We have oh unlocked oh this god. show. <laughs> Jack is Tim. Tim is Jack. Tim is Jack. Wow! Ghost hobo daddy. <laughs> Remember oh from the episode? Yes. Yes. that is actual oh. Frankenstein. That's actual mm. Frankenstein daddy. He is who has channeled the lightning into Jack Tim. Jack Tim. Jack Tim. Man, this mm. is holy <laughs> fuck! This is the best episode of the show. <laughs> Damn. Wow. Cracked it wide open. God, I love this. I love this. I am, it's electric. I am, I have been struck by lightning now. Uh, well, Joey calls Jack a freak. Oh, <laughs> it's true. That is true. And, uh, 
at one point, she, I think when they're talking about the lightning thing, she says, freaky. Yes. Freaky. Again, her written like an 11 year old. Yes, totally. Freaky. Yeah, her lines. This is freaky. <laughs> Did you guys happen to notice that they are two freaks by the creek? Oh. oh wow. Me. Having a unique freaky date. Uh huh. That. <clears throat> freaks and creeks. Unique freaks fun. Creeks. Unique fun. Yeah. Um, freaks and Creeks, a Dawson's Creek podcast, the show where four millennials. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. I don't know if we want to talk about this right now. We can edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Cody and I went on a trip recently. Yes. There was a guest book. Oh. Oh, yeah, love we'll guest books. Yeah. <laughs> for, for the super fans that are looking to vacation in Washington. Um, in the guest book, Cody, like, you know, wrote about our time there, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm trying to find the photo. And I then, hope you mentioned our podcast and told where maybe. to follow it. Oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. So he wrote, P.S. <laughs> trying to find it right now. Beep, bop, boop. Beep, bop, boop. You can edit this out. Beep, bop, boop. No, we're definitely leaving this in. Uh, this is going to be the music that we put beep, under <laughs> Cody later. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Um, Just read the full thing. The whole thing? Yeah. Okay. Because then the context is even weirder. Okay, okay. <laughs> we had an absolute hoot of a time <laughs> celebrating a birthday <laughs> in this wonderful, cozy little house. My birthday. We are nothing but yum. We ate nothing but yummo tummo seafood and kayaked like our lives depended on it. Very beautiful. We can't wait to come back. Thank you for this lovely home. P.S. No signs of Bigfoot or any lake cryptids next time. And then we both signed it. And then Cody wrote P.P.S. Did you love the 90s teen melodrama Dawson's Creek? <laughs> Listen to our podcast, Freaks and Creek, a Dawson's Creek podcast. Wow. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. If you're listening to this episode, hi. <laughs> I was really excited to tell everyone about this. I just hope that when this podcast becomes the number one podcast on Apple and Spotify, um, sorry, Joe Rogan, uh, yeah. Uh, poor guy, but I, our fans are going to go nuts being like, where is this place so we can stay? And they'll be like, oh my God, we can stay in the freaking Creek house. Mm-hmm. Freaking Creek house. Yeah. Freaking Creek house. Yeah. The freaking Creek house. <laughs> Cheers to the freaking Creek house. Cheers to the freaking Creek house. Um, speaking of freaks. Uh, so yeah, I thought the Joey and Jack chemistry felt weird yeah. this episode. And yes. yeah, I do feel like it was probably just the writing, but I mean, in general, I think they have chemistry, but not romantic chemistry. Mm-hmm. I think they usually have a good back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but this episode just felt like, I think Jack was just really Way too hot. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like his little like zingers and like, what are you? Yeah, like, he was trying really hard. Was like, yeah, I could be your hero, baby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It really felt like every like line of his was a pickup line mm-hmm. or it was at least angled, like trying to get an in. Mm-hmm. It didn't. It didn't feel good. Yeah. It felt weird. It felt kind of scummy or something. I don't know. Yeah. Or I like don't, he was putting it on, like kind of just not being his, himself. I'm not sure if we were supposed to feel like Joey is moving too fast. How dare she move on past Dawson so quickly? And so they then made the this date like really weird. That to mm. that to feel <laughs> that way, but it just yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't like it. And yeah, the dat thing. Yeah, like, like what's with what? that writing? I mean, well, I would, yeah, like, that, was that supposed to be funny? Like it no. wasn't, it didn't make any sense. It, it but was that's stupid. Like, it's a very, this is like on paper, a very Jack thing to do. Sure. To be like, I'm goofy and funny and quirky, but it's just 
the dialogue is not goofy, quirky, or interesting. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's just poorly written. It came yeah, across to written, me, yeah. it came across as creepy because it's like, oh, it's like a date, except there are no rules, baby. The only rule <laughs> is that we gotta have fun. <laughs> we gotta have fun with you, Johnny. It just was like, Jesus, Jack, bud, I think we can have some rules. It's okay if we have some yeah. rules. His writing is not consistent. And no. Same thing with Jen this episode too. We can get to that later, but yeah. just like it's, it seems like the writers either were not a part or like they, maybe they were in the room, but like it felt like they had a huge disconnect from how Jack has been written up until this point. Cause he's not a sleaze bag. He's never been written as a sleaze bag mm-hmm. and he's like a romantic at heart, but he's not like, I could be the one for you. Right. And it seemed like he was angling the whole night to get that kiss that yes. he got in the end that he said up front he wasn't going to do, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So it's all, it's like a, it's scummy because he's like, don't worry. It's we're, it's not going to be romantic. Meanwhile, the whole time I'm angling to try to get a kiss from you later. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Hmm. It feels uh, against his character, but I guess to the same point you made earlier with Mr. Daddy man, me, Mr. Friendly daddy, our daddy friend, <laughs> complex identity, right? Maybe this is him, you know, being a person who both wants to respect Joey, but he also wants to get to smooch on. And that feels like maybe that's the purpose of what this beat is. And I can see again, like if you're writing that on a whiteboard about like what this episode is going to explore, that's a good idea in like when you think about it, but how it's written is so weird. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not organic at all. I also wonder, I mean, like, I don't know if I'm like, grasping at straws here, but I'm wondering if this conversation about opposite charges attracting were that lightning, you know, if that isn't meant to be them, but somebody else. And this is like foreshadowing how, because like you said, James opposites attract, they're fucking identical in their interests. So I wonder if this is supposed to be about how her and Dawson are meant to be together and always be inevitable. And right now he is the one that's getting in the way. Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. And I mean, like, <clears throat> Dawson, we I think we might as well just kind of start to pivot over to the Jen conversation. Yes. And this is an opportune time because when Dawson has this moment at Joey's house, then he goes straight to Jen's. And he's like, hey, I want to go to that party. Joe, Jen rightfully calls him out. He's like, oh, huh, you ran into Joey, huh? And it's so clear that he is just like trying to have a good time. I'm, I'll go out with Jen. I'll go out with Jen. I don't, did you guys think he was trying to like, go on a date with Jen or do you think he was just trying to go have fun? Because the reason I ask is he's, she calls him out for it, him being a rebound and he's like, is it that obvious? Mm-hmm. So he's acknowledging, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. I'm on the rebound here. Yeah. I thought that was weird. Um, because I also felt like he was just trying to like go distract himself. Yeah. Um, but then they kind of like call it out. Yeah. And I, I was like, that doesn't feel like that fits. Yeah, that writing was weird. And when he confused. leaves, Jen bites her lip as he's exactly. walking yeah, away. Yeah, like, oh, maybe I do. Like, like she him. wanted to date, <laughs> you know. But I'll, not to rewind the conversation, but earlier when uh, Dawson gave the money to Joey, she bit her lip. I know. Oh, that too. So it's yeah. like, is... I thought she's that's getting like hotter. the 90s way of showing on TV. I'm like, oh, I like that. See, I didn't know. <laughs> I thought it was a way of being, of her being like, ooh, I really want to tell him, or I, I feel like I should tell him about this date with Jack, but I'm mm. not going to. Yeah. 
you know, no, like, like that like, kind of a, but yeah. Yeah. That's how I interpreted Joey's bite. Like a nervous versus yes. like Jen's. And feeling thing. a bit of guilt. Yeah. And then externalizing that by being like, oh, and just so you know, whatever movie you make, it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Because she's trying to make herself <laughs> yeah. feel better because yeah. she's guilty. Mm-hmm. And it might be unrelated, might not be, but later Dawson bites his lip when he's talking to Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy man meat. Can you bla- Do you saw his shirt? Yeah. Mr. Muscle Man. Yeah. So hot. Very hot. I want to talk about Jen's hair while we are talking about her. Um, It seems to me that throughout this episode, her hair becomes shorter and more spiky as it as the episode progresses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Which I thought was a good little detail for her. Uh, Also, like I think she's actually the character that her hair has changed the most out of any characters. Definitely, it makes sense because she's still explore. We're still like kind of learning who she is. So yeah, she's exploring her identity through her hair. It feels like, or at least her hair is like what is representing Mm -hmm. her shifting identity to this new bad girl. Yeah, who pukes on picket fences or whatever she says. You think that's a cool hobby that she's just going to pick up? Just like, (laughs) oops. (laughs) Can you blame her? I know. Uh, not liking how the writers are writing Jen. I mean, we complain no, about no. it all the fucking time, but right now, I, more apparent than ever that she is just a prop for Dawson yes. to learn from. Yeah, and I'm, this feels so exploitative. Absolutely, oh, yeah. her arc this episode is what has turned me off from this episode. It, I, I didn't want to watch. It. I know it was. I think it was supposed to be uncomfortable. I yeah, definitely hope. Yeah that that's what it was. But to your, like you're saying, it's just like, I don't like this. I don't want this. This feels cheap. This feels like disrespectful to people who are in this situation or have been in this situation. And it feels very like uh, scummy. But that's the word too cheap. Like in a, in a better, in better hands, a better writer, like you can write a story similar to this and make it, Mm-hmm. feel like it's earned and worth it but this is like so fast it's so surface level and it's yeah. like oh drunk girl like almost gets sexually assaulted by two guys like very very quickly you yeah. know yeah. she's like also into it too and it's like way too complex at the same time so surface level like yeah. the emotions don't really make any sense at all what they're trying to tell us is right. happening mm-hmm. it's very cheap it is and it, it there's like i i i wanted this in the show somewhere this conversation to happen and it feels like this is them having that conversation without actually having that conversation and just making it like this throwaway moment that is supposed to be well of course effectively elevating joe elevating dawson while lowering jen yeah. and jen is already such a low status character at this point like why are we lowering her even more For sure. she basically yeah. has nothing right now she her grandpa's dead grandma's gone for all we know she has no plot beats so to take this away and put it in crass crass put it in crass's hands crass and creeper and then that dude comes out of nowhere ted Ted? he was listed on imdb as todd but i do not recall they never named that fucking guy part 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 p-a-r-t t Yes. Yeah. What the fuck is that? P-A-R-T. Kegs and eggs, Kegs bro. And eggs, yeah. Lots of spelling this Drink episode. Drink till you <laughs> totally. eat breakfast. Or, I don't remember exactly what it was that he said, but I have a thought here. Okay. So you were mentioning it's very fast that this happened and Jen is like into it, but not into it. I think Crass's friend is a vampire. Here it is. Yeah. And he has cast her under a spell because remember when Crass walks up to Dawson, who is just 
creeping on rightfully so, but still creeping on Jen from the snack table. And Crass is like, man, Jen's awesome. I wish I had four more like her or whatever disgusting shit he's saying. Jen is like, Face to face with Tom or Ted, <laughs> Todd. Todd, Todd, thank you, Todd, and she's like rubbing his lips with her thumb. Yeah, what the fuck? He's a vampire. He's got her under his spell. I think that I think was she rubbing blood off his lips? <laughs> Damn, yeah, that's cool. Maybe I like that. Maybe they're not drinking wine; they're drinking blood. Did she once again say you're cold to the touch? <laughs> um, but I, it kind of, I got the impression that this was not the first time. No, but, not at all. Not at all. Like he, Chris Crass, Crass says impressive showing last night. Surprised she, to see you here or something. Yeah. yeah. So this is a pattern or like this yeah. is her thing right now is and she's partying he, and, and teed or whatever yeah. is like, <laughs> he's standing teed. behind Crass and he's just like smirking. Like, yeah, I am surprised to see you. Yeah. So like, Ugh. it seems like that the three of them have like a, Connection or yep. not connection is not the word yeah. I want to use, but like yeah, they they're got a connection. Well, as she <laughs> said, familiar. they're just hanging out, uh-huh. yeah, or whatever, you know. So getting yeah. a very strong thirteen reasons why vibe from yes, that whole totally. exchange. Like, yeah. I have a feeling Crass is going to get involved Ugh. in something bad that yeah. is going to result in somebody doing bad mm. things. At the very least, he's enabling that kind of behavior and clearly like taking advantage of drunk women and. I like when Dawson comes in. He's like, oh, you want, hey, Dawson, you want to play? Yeah. Oh, my God. I just wish they, I wonder if the scene in the cafeteria where they approach and they do that thing of Mm -hmm. like, you're surprised as you, like, oh, this is an established thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I wish they they just like pushed a little harder at explaining to the audience, this is a regular thing that we do and we're, and like Jen is cool with it. Uh, Mm. Yeah. Because like right now they're trying to play it in the gray area of like, oh, was this almost a sexual assault? Um, And it doesn't need to be. It like they can tell us what exactly. Because as a character, Jen's telling us it isn't, but it's like not. I don't know if I believe it. It's like not enough to like. She's saying it when she is very drunk and then clearly about to throw up. So she's so drunk she's throwing up. So like naturally, as the audience, you're like, okay, so then she isn't in her right mind. Right. She isn't properly giving consent. But at the same time, she very well could be, and that Mm -hmm. could be a plot arc, and it wouldn't be worse for her character if she was just like, yeah, I'm, you know, whatever, right? I'm exhibiting self-destructive behaviors. Okay, okay. or right. this is what I'm into. Yeah, yeah. or, or yeah. exactly, yeah. or that's what I'm having into. Fun, but yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. But I, I thought that it was interesting that repeatedly, just like in the last episode, Dawson is being told what, how to uh, interact to to respect people's boundaries. Right. Last episode, it was to give Joey space. This episode is not to judge Jen, and repeatedly Dawson is like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Ignores it, judges Jen entirely the whole episode. Right back in the cafeteria, and then the entire time he's like not in, interacting in the party. He's only watching Jen. Yeah. Rightfully so. She's about to be taken advantage of, but still like he is not actually listening to any of the people aside from daddy man meat in his life. Mm. Maybe he just doesn't listen to women. There's that. Clearly. Yeah. Um, okay. I have a couple, a couple things. One, just a quick little funny thing is, um, the call back to Jen's bad scream. Yes. Yeah. I love yeah, that. That was good. Um, in yeah, the cafeteria. The, does she just not know how to scream or, <laughs> yeah, she's like, uh, ah. <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> ah. 
Um, that made me laugh and made me happy because it felt like they were like almost everyone was like making fun of themselves. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, but going back to Dawson for a sec and saying that, yeah, his his uh, instruction was to give Joey space. And again, I do think we we definitely saw growth from Dawson, um, but him uh, showing up to school and being like, hey, let's make yeah. a movie yeah. and travel with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like very, very silly. Um, but we do see him communicate it in like a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Also, when when Joey lets him down slowly, he doesn't actually react. Like he takes a moment, you know, that I thought that was a good, good acting there. He like yes. took a moment where you like think he's going to react like he used to, but he then kind of was like, yeah, I am happy for myself. Like, yeah, I'm has, still happy. He does have two of those moments. He has that one at the yeah. school and then he has the other one at Joey's house where he tries to walk away and she calls him back and he's turns and the look on his face and yeah. at first is like, I am going to fucking flip. But then yeah. he takes what she has to say. So there is this progress that we're seeing from him. Then, then seeing Dawson deliver the money to Joey. Yeah. It was like, almost like, come on, dude. Like she has asked for space and you keep showing up. And it was like, I was really annoyed in that moment. But then once he gives her the money and like that conversation did feel very genuine. Like Mm -hmm. I want to give you half of this. Mm -hmm. You deserve it. And I want you to put it to something that is important to you. And I like, to me that kind of felt like, okay, maybe this is the the moment where things really shift for him. And he's like ready to like let go of this idea of their relationship and, do his do his thing. It, I hope so. It doesn't feel mutually um, exclusive. It seems no. like yeah. he's like yeah. he's like. I hope we end up together again. But at the same time, like movies aren't your thing. Art is your thing. Here's the money. Like, yeah. By the way, that money. So twenty five hundred. Any guesses as to what that is now? Twenty five two thousand five hundred dollars back in nineteen ninety eight. Oh, how much it equates to now? Yes. What, what does that equate to? Knowing the price of eggs now, I'm going to say twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Half a million. <laughs> Eight thousand. Four thousand six hundred eighty-eight dollars and fifty-one cents. Wow! Which nearly doubled. Yeah, nearly doubled. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. but that's a, that's. God. I mean, that's a good amount he's giving to Joey. Yeah, for, totally. You know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if I were in high school and I yeah. won twelve fifty, because that's your half of that. Holy shit! That's yeah. so much money. That's more money than I had ever had in my life. At totally. That point, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I would have. I was so irresponsible. I would have blown it all immediately. Mm-hmm. But like. That's crazy to think about like them winning that for their short film creature feature yeah. horror movie send up, right? Junior division, like that's a big that's a good chunk of money. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um can I have I have two other really quick funny things. Fire them away. <laughs> um, okay, so you know um there's that joke about like how the core four like changes and it's like yeah. not maybe not Dawson. Yeah, it's Pennywise, mm-hmm. maybe yeah. it's Mitch. Um we <laughs> We when we see Jack and Joey talking, and oh. we see the Reed poster in the background. Yes, Jack. I feel like <laughs> these Reed posters are everywhere, <laughs> yes. and I was yep. like, these Reed posters are going to be the fourth character. That yes. was a funny oh joke my. I made to myself. <laughs> it made okay. myself laugh. So since we're scabbing, you know it's a SAG after strike. <laughs> we are scabbing for the next script for Dawson's Creek. In the remake, we are going to have one of those security robots that they have in grocery stores. You know, yes, 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 yes. and it's going to have a Reed poster on the front of it. It'll be mm. sentient. And it'll the, be a sentient yes. the crew. Yep, it'll be walking through the school constantly saying, "Read your books, <laughs> Pacey. Read your books, Pacey. You're not a loser in the way that I am a robot and I feel love." <laughs> um, other thing, Andy, I think I like Jen in the <laughs> in the cafeteria sequence. 
um, Andy and Jack, or sorry, yeah, Andy and Jack are kind of matching. They both have like a sweater vest with like blocky Mm -hmm. kind of like colors. Yeah. But like, I think Andy's is a a vest and Jack's like a long sleeve shirt, but it's just like... I thought it was cute that they That's like mm. were wearing kind <laughs> of compared the same outfit thing. notes yeah. in the morning. You're like, what do you think about this one? Well, it matches this. I'll wear it. I remember yeah. those vests that Andy was that that vest Andy was wearing. I remember the, that being the popular like thing, like a sweater like, vest, yeah. sweater vest yeah. with like one stripe. Yeah, yes. it was very preppy. Like, okay, yeah. so when I was uh, trying to find other stuff out for this episode, I found a Freaks WordPress, and it was like talking about this episode, and they had a copy. Cu- couple funny observations you know how we like always talk about like what time of year is it like yeah. where are we um and they had a similar sentiment they were like okay i see by the the trees it's mm. fall does this mean a new school year who knows <laughs> and, then, and then they also wrote um the school counselor says go to summer school so does that make it spring yeah uh, who knows yes. but i no, love that they were also like on the same I mean, it's so confusing that they did this without any real like respect for the calendar in any way. Like they are telling, I I Mm -hmm. understand telling a story that's like timeless, but we still need some kind of like demarcators of time passing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, I I liked when we had the Halloween episodes. That was nice. But yeah, it's weird that there haven't been any other like seasons. Yeah, for like the last. Yeah, there's there's the, remember the, 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 Killers on the loose and oh right, but that wasn't a Halloween episode. It was but it was um, released. Around. Oh okay, yeah. Oh, hmm. it was. I'm telling. I think that, myself okay, it okay. was a Halloween episode, <laughs> and there was Sounds a Frankenstein good. in that episode and lots of vampires. It has been confusing to track yeah. like when where when it is in the school year. Where, yeah, what's the season? Yeah, again, just got to give it to Gilmore Girls because they yes. make it so specific about yep. the time period of each season yeah. where the episodes are taking place. It's, oh, it's what so if. Dawson's Creek is actually an anthology series and it's completely out of time. So you can watch any episode from any season in any order. <laughs> Sometimes it feels that way. Yeah, really. It, does. <laughs> it definitely feels that way with season one and two. Maybe we should just skip to the next. Yeah. Maybe next we should season. just go to chat GPT, get a random number sequence generated and then map that back oh to <laughs> Dawson's Creek episodes. And then that's just, just the record, order we watch episodes. Yeah, record random on. episodes. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, Choose your own adventure. Oh, Man, I kind of wish that when when we started this podcast, we would have done this show completely backwards. Me too. <laughs> Start Start with the with season seven, episode twenty six, and then working all the way to episode slowly wow. trying to tie all the, the strings back to each yeah. other. That would be amazing. Wait, so they weren't astronauts the entire show? <laughs> Don't take our idea, but listeners, yeah, or whatever new Dawson's <laughs> Creek podcasts are out yeah. there listening to us. All right, ratings and recommendations. Who wants to go first? Ratings. I will go. I gave this one a three. I think there's a lot of really good ideas here. I really like how some things are written, uh, I guess, thematically, uh, but for the actual writing of sequencing of scenes and dialogue, it's a little weird. Um, And I just don't really like how Jen is a prop for Dawson to learn a lesson, how we don't really have any kind of agency with Jen. She is just kind of this caricature that things bad things happen to her. She's like a Darren Aronofsky character. Mm. Horrible things happen to her. We just kind of like watch and then we learn a lesson from it. That isn't great, especially for a woman character. Mm. But uh, that said, 
Complex identities is a really great theme. I really like how lessons were learned here. So good things, bad things. It's a three. I'm going to give it a two and a half. I was originally going to give it a two, but after talking about it, I do see some good, like some, there were nuggets of good things. There were, there was some good character development. Like the theme overall theme was good, but the writing was not good. And I did not want to watch it again. Yeah. And I just was like looking for excuses to not watch it again, you know, and just mm -hmm. kind of, yeah, I don't know. Two and a half. Oh yeah. I'm struggling. Um, I'm going to say 2.75. Um, I think I was going to give it a three and I don't know. Like, yeah, I felt like overall, I just really didn't like this episode, but just like the, I did like seeing our characters different, like different types of heroes and like do heroic things. And overall, like Pacey really, I think was like the star of this episode and just like made me love him so much. And, um, yeah, I, I just thought he like seeing him do this, like really sweet, amazing, genuine, heroic thing. Um, that was like so selfless was, was what made this episode for me. So, yeah, um, I, I agree. Pacey is the highlight of the episode. I'm going to go ahead and give this episode a 2.54. Um, I really, really did not enjoy this episode upon pretty much any watch. I was not looking forward to watching it again for the final watch for this recording. But through our conversation, I have come to realize there's a lot more to this episode than I initially thought. Um, so I enjoyed talking about it. I appreciate that we got enough like out of it to have stuff to talk about besides just like how much we hated. So clearly there were some themes and some actual like some actual conversation, but, um, I hope to never watch this episode again. <laughs> if I'm being honest, I, I don't want to see it again. And I hope that we don't get another cheap episode like this that involves a similar plot point. Cause I can very easily see this being like a thing where they're just like, yeah, let's recycle that old Jen's a drunk storyline. Yeah. You know, we need another good guy moment, but maybe it's a different good guy or it's like, we need another like dropping of Jen's character. So I hope we never see it again. And, uh, 2.54. On to recommendations. I will go ahead and get started. This week, I am going to recommend another video game. It's a game that recently was released. It is probably not the game that everybody is thinking of, which would be something else. Um, this game is called Sea of Stars. It is a fantastic old school turn-based RPG. It's got really cool pixel graphics and it's got amazing music that just takes me back to being a kid and playing games on my original PlayStation or my Game Boy. The art style itself is really fun. The animations are great and it's all like a 2D, maybe 2.5D uh, like world open world exploration and then when you find monsters and things like that with your party you jump into a turn-based rpg very similar to old school final fantasy i really really enjoy it it's really fun the writing is great the combat is great i find myself just kind of like thinking about it and the, there are all sorts of these little 
mysteries and things that you'll find just by exploring the overworld. So I highly recommend it. Sea of Stars. It's free if you are a Xbox console owner who has Game Pass. Otherwise, I think it's only like $19.99. So relatively reasonably priced. And it is fantastic. So go ahead and check out Sea of Stars. Did it just come out? It just came out this week on Xbox. Um, It may have been out earlier on other consoles or on uh, PC though. I think I was reading a review this week about like new yeah. fun games and that was I think one of them. It has really taken the online games uh media, I guess, uh world by storm because it kind of innovates on the turn-based RPG which is very like it's tried and true, right? You have a character, you select attack, you then select I'm going to fight that guy and you go beat him up and then it's the next guy's turn. In this they add a little bit of like a rhythm element. You have to like time your strikes. Um, you get like bonus damage or you get da- damage mitigation if you like hit a button at the right time. There are all sorts of other fun mechanics that they add into like the skills. Each skill kind of has like a different fun little mechanic to it that kind of makes it like a mini game. So while it's got the like kind of classic loop that you like like it's got these fun little things added on top. So if you're an old hat player of turn-based RPGs, there's something new and fresh for you. If you've never played a turn-based RPG, it's probably going to really hook you and get its its teeth in you quick because it's just it's it's really really fun. Okay, I will go. I'm going to recommend a podcast for all my true crime peeps out there. Bow, bow, bow. Bow, bow. True uh, crime alert. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so James actually recommended this podcast to me. What up? And uh, it's your boy. <laughs> <laughs> since recommending, I have been hooked. It's called the Snake River Killer. Um, I am not done with it yet, uh, but I am probably three quarters of the way through, and it is extremely good, well researched. Um, according to the Snake River Killer website, he says um, this is a real time investigative podcast that does a deep dive into several murders, disappearances and suspicious deaths along the Washington Idaho border. Um, yeah, it takes place in like the seventies and eighties. Um, you know, it's relatively close to where we are. So that feels, um, interesting when there's a lot of other serial killer action going on. So, um, it's interesting in that regard because knowing that there's like all these other like pieces happening at the same time. And, uh, yeah, I think the, the host Brandon Trand, thank you. Brandon Trand is, does a great job, um, really like exploring the lives of each of the, the victims in this episode or in this season, or, Oh my God, what am I saying in this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I really appreciate his, um, his depth in that regard. Yeah. I, I love this show. I'm, I don't think it's quite done yet. Um, I think it's still ongoing, but it has, they haven't released an episode since June. So Brandon, if you're listening and I know you, I know you're a big (laughs) Dawson's Creek fan, so I'm sure you are. Please release that next episode because I can't wait for more. But the show is very respectful as far as like a lot of true crime shows go, it doesn't spend a lot of time talking about like the gory details of the crimes. It's a lot more about, the mystery of these unsolved murders and kind of tying it back to the leading culprit, which I won't spoil. You'll very, you'll quickly find out as you listen to the show, but it's just best discovered as the listener does, because like Stella mentioned, it's real time. So each episode kind of builds on the fall, the previous episode. Sometimes he dives back a couple episodes to some little detail that really seemed 
throwaway in the moment, but it comes out to be much more important later on. So it's a really, really interesting podcast and it's a fantastic listen. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yes, highly recommend. I'm going next. (laughs) I'm going to recommend a show that I'm sure no one's heard of. Oh, it's called Gilmore Girls. <laughs> yeah. Fuck okay. Yes. Okay. This is it's an it's new to me, so this is why I'm recommending it. <laughs> <laughs> um, if anyone doesn't know, listeners, the show debuted in October of 2000. Um, it's taken many years of my friends talking about it for me to finally watch it myself. Uh, so if you haven't taken the plunge yet, I highly recommend. It's on Netflix. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. It takes place in a quirky small town and centers around the lives of Lorelai Gilmore and her intellectual teen teenage daughter, Rory. I literally just got goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> so Lorelai is a single mother who runs the local inn and Rory is finishing high school with aspirations to attend an Ivy League college. Uh, they often have to deal with Lorelai's very wealthy parents oh, and their judgments, and that's always entertaining. <laughs> uh, and then also the daily interactions with quirky town folks are fun. Um, mm-hmm. Like, for example, Kirk. Kirk. <laughs> he has, like, every job in town, and I just watched an episode where he was, like, the clerk at the video store nice. <laughs> randomly. Um, so that's all, always fun. And it's also very cozy and perfect for mm. fall weather. So if you just want to feel like it's fall. What season are you watching? I just finished season one. So I'm, I'm actually kind of in the middle of season two now. Awesome. Oh my God. I'm so excited yeah. for you. Oh, it's winter. Oh <laughs> or it was winter. Mm. Like you were saying, they make it very clear. Mm. It was snowing and they were building snowmans. Mm. So it was winter. Yes. <laughs> it's a yeah. really, really fantastic show. I have not watched nearly as much as anybody here in this room, but it's like so easy to watch. And I found myself just like wanting to watch more and more of this show because the world building is so fantastic. Like you feel like you are getting to know Stars Hollow. That's the name of the town, right? And the people that live there, it feels like a real place with real people doing real things. Mm -hmm. And it's just so comforting in a way. Um, I, there, I, I feel really like there's so it. much depth to even just the side characters. Oh like, yeah. It's, you learn yeah. everything about yeah. them. Yeah. If it is one of the best shows of all time, if you have not watched it, um, stop watching Dawson's Creek yeah. and go watch Gilmore <laughs> Girls. Yeah, yeah please. Yeah. And if you were like me and thought Gilmore Girls and Golden Girls were the same show, <laughs> they're just go check it out. They're not the same show. <laughs> Golden Girls is also a very good show. Yes. Very <laughs> different. Very different. <laughs> Uh, and it's also worth noting that um, there uh, there's a lot of problematic stuff in Good oh, Girls yes. that has aged like yeah. fucking shit. Uh, but with that said, it is a product of its time. It yes. is still yeah. one of the best shows ever. Uh, season seven is kind of a stinker because Amy Shore oh. and Paladino left the show. Oh, no. Um, but she did come back to do the uh, Gilmore Girls A Year in a Life uh, special, mm-hmm. which was made for Netflix in the United States. I don't know where it was distributed everywhere else. Uh, don't spoil it. That has uh, <laughs> no spoilers. It, a little bit of everything. Oh, okay. There's <laughs> a, a lot going on in that. Okay. I won't say if it's good and I won't say if it's bad, but it certainly exists. <laughs> uh, but I have yeah. a while to get there. So, uh, Gilmore Girls is the fucking best show. God, <laughs> I love it so much. This week, I am recommending the 1992 Sally Potter film Orlando, based on the Virginia Woolf novel of the same name. It follows the life of the titular character played by Tilda Swinton, who mysteriously lives for centuries, changing gender along the way. The film explores themes of identity, sexuality, and time as Orlando navigates history and society's evolving norms. I personally really love magical realism, themes of identity, and surreal storytelling, so this one hit the mark 
for me, it's mostly a period piece and I was kind of expecting it to be kind of stuffy, but it is a very funny postmodern romp. If you like Gus Van Zandt's art house work or Yorgos Lanthimos movies or Phoebe Waller-Bridge's Fleabag, this might be your jam. It's very cool. Also just uh, support women filmmaking uh, because there's too many boys in that playground. Mm -hmm. Stinky boys. Stinky boys. <laughs> Stinky boys, cooties. <laughs> so sorry. Okay, so um, <laughs> next time on Freaks and Creeks, we will be talking about season two, episode nine, the election. Ooh. In their bid for student council, Andy and Joey face a vicious smear campaign. Jen tries to get Dawson to embrace being a teenager. Uh oh. Hmm. Oh boy. This ought to be interesting. Uh, what are those no. kids going to get into next? <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> Stop the steal. Stop <laughs> the steal. <laughs> okay. Well, let's go ahead and get our way out of here. So thank you all so much for listening. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe to our show and join us as we continue to set sail through Dawson's Creek one episode at a time. Uh, if you want more <laughs> freaks content, please visit our website, freaksandcreeks.com. And you can go ahead and find us on Instagram at Freaks and Creeks Pod or write to us at show at freaksandcreeks.com. Until next time, bye-bye. bye bye. Bye.